Today we're stepping into uh, chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. Um, uh, who's here to help me pass out some stuff? Anybody? Anybody help me do that? Roy, you care to help? Awesome. Thank you. I'll give you this one. I'm very excited because as I was studying Deuteronomy 8 this week, I was going over it, and I was going over it, and I was looking at it, and I saw some things, and I thought, oh, it's a chiasm. And so I told Claudia this morning, are you staying for Deuteronomy? She said, yes. I said, we're looking at a chiasm. Oh, it's one of those. Yeah, you can have more than one. I've made 40 of these. So it's a chiasm. She said, great. It's my favorite thing. I can't wait. So I'm excited about it. Here we go. So now you have a, a sheet to take notes on. It says Deuteronomy 8 on there. We are also going to be, let's see here, there are three. There are three. And here's what I've done is I've actually copied and took the time to type out this chiasm for you. Typing out chiasms is crazy. Um, but here's something that I do want to show you is if you notice at the bottom of the chiastic sheet that I am giving you, uh, and I had to make it in this small font, I apologize for that, in order to get it all on this legal size paper because it's the entire chapter of chapter 8. So, um, But if you notice down at the bottom, I found somebody who has their own blog, WordPress account, or whatever you want to call that it is, and all they do, they're, they're a Christian who loves Jesus, and all they do is look for chiasms in the Scripture. They love them. Okay. I've got plenty to go around. Here you go, man. There you go. There you go. Roy, you got one? Okay. Mitch, you want one? Awesome. There we go. I'm very excited about this. There's a okay, great. There's a lot in the chapter itself to observe, and we need to very much do that. But we also need to talk about the importance of chiasms and why they are done the way that they are done. No. Just kidding. <laughs> Alright, so does everybody have one of these legal pages with the with the entire chapter excuse me the entire chapter of Deuteronomy eight on it, yes? Okay. Yeah, I've got like ten more. I made forty copies, so we should be good if you want one. If we can, let's everybody everybody good? Yes? We're good? Okay, great. So let's do this real quick before we jump in. Let's pray. It's probably the most important thing we could do before we hit this. Father God, thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, for how amazing the makeup of your word is. And grateful, Father, for your mercy in giving it to us. And Father, that we would know it well. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before when we talked about a chiasm, can anybody tell me about chiasms? What are they? No one? Claudia. Okay, yes and no. You're very close. The bracketing of thoughts that serve as bookends at the beginning and end, that's more as a, known as an inclusio. You're close. That's okay. They're, they're easy to get mixed up. Uh, but yes, in the way that, yes, a chiasm does do that, and they do work themselves together to a main point or theme that the author wants you to get beyond anything else. And it does it in one of two ways. If you, if you think of parallel structure, so you think of two things running alongside each other, okay, like the road out there. Jim probably won't get this, but uh, running like this, right? Parking there. But uh, you will either have saying the same thing, 
which is going to be a synonymous parallelism, okay? Or you're going to have a uh, saying of one thing and then saying of something different, a positive and a negative contrast. Does that make sense? A lot of the Proverbs are like that. You know, a wise man uh, guards his steps, but the foolish man falls into a hole. That, 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 the two lines are parallel along the side there, but they're giving a contrast that's going on. Uh, if, you, if you saw something like, um, was another one would be, uh, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There's your positive, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There is your parallel accounts that are going on, a comparison of two things that are going on, but one is positive, the other one's negative. <clears throat> a synonymous parallelism is going to be where you have that parallel type structure, but they're both going to be in agreement of essentially saying the same thing. And the Lord will call from Zion. He will cry out from his holy hill, Jerusalem. Something like that. Zion and Jerusalem are compared. Calling out, crying out is the exact same things. And you've got a way to do that. Well, this is on an extreme scale. Deuteronomy 8 is on an extreme scale. And so here's what I want to show you has been done. Notice that at the top left hand, running down and kind of in a funnel in section, it is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then you have G apostrophe, and running from G back to A apostrophe. Does everybody see that? And I tried to put it in a staggered stepstone form so that you would see how and why they line up. Now, let me say this real quick about chiasms. The biggest hindrance to identifying chiasms in your Bibles are the verse numbers. They're the worst things. And here's the reason why. You're going to see here where there's going to be a grouping together of maybe three verses or two verses together that make a complete thought that parallels the thought that came previous or that that thought is going to cut off in the middle of the verse, but it's still a continuation of the sentence yet it starts a new element of the chiasm. Does that make sense to everybody? So that's what we're going to see. Again, we're going to work through this. It's probably going to take us two weeks to do. If you've got questions, ask them. There are no silly questions about this. Uh, but I do encourage you, if you see down there at the very bottom where I footnoted it, uh, biblicalchiasmus.wordpress.com, I encourage you, go to that site. It's neat. Because that's all this person has done, has gone through the Bible and has identified chiasm after chiasm after chiasm. Now, what is the purpose of the literary structure of a chiasm? Does anybody remember? Okay, when you start on the outsides of them, we'll go this way, I think you guys are looking at it. When you start on the outside and you're working your way in, when it works its way, its way in to a central point, that central point is the main theme, purpose, idea, focal point it's the most important thing on the page that that author wanted you to know so if that is true you know that the most important thing that is going on in this chiasm drawn forward is g and g apostrophe everybody see that and let's just read that real quick and notice what it is look at g you shall bless the lord your god for the good land which he has given you verse 11 g apostrophe Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes which I am commanding you today. Notice that the contrast there is the difference between blessing God for what He has given and forgetting God because you're enjoying what He has given. Does everybody see that? 
So that's the big difference here. There are two ways to respond. Israel has two ways to respond in this situation. And one is, is to simply give thanks, as we're commanded over and over and over again for the things that God graciously gives. Or B, to go on and live life in the way that you see fit. And even though God gave you everything that you're enjoying that's taking care of you, you completely forget about it and you cast it to the side. Terry, did you get one of these papers? Okay, I couldn't remember if I got you one or not. Okay, great. Uh, so, does everybody get that? Yes? We good? Who's confused? Everybody's good. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. Here we go. In fact, let's read this whole thing all the way through, and then we'll go back and start. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Thus, you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water out for you, sorry, he brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you, and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. 
you, sorry, sorry, so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, does everybody see the parallel structure that goes on? Does everybody see that between G and when verse 11 picks up G apostrophe, everything goes negative? Does everybody see that? So there's our parallel structure that we're taking note of, okay? So now let's compare and contrast these things. Look at A. Does anybody, does anybody need a, a sheet while I was reading? Did anybody come in that needs one of these sheets? Everybody good? Yes? Okay, want to make sure. So notice. A, and notice that A can be broken into two different parts of one and two. Now, if they're broken in two different parts, I put it there with an asterisk next to it, but I've left the verse numbers just plain typed verse number as it is. Notice it says, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Now go down to A apostrophe one and two. It shall come about that if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve and worship them. Notice that's the opposite of doing the commandments that he is being that they are being commanded today. Everybody see that that's the opposite, one and one? A1 and A apostrophe one. Everybody see that? Sometimes I say apostrophe. That's from a Kentucky education. Forgive it, okay? Now, the next one, A apostrophe two. You may live and multiply. I'm sorry, A2. A that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. A apostrophe to, I testify against you today that you will surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of your God. Now notice, you would not listen to the voice of your God. The idea is the swearing that the Lord has done and making an unconditional promise for it. But the swearing of the unconditional promise does not negate discipline for failure to obey. Just because God eternally promised something that cannot be compromised does not mean that He excuses sin in the midst of it. That's vitally important to understand. Okay? Vitally important to understand. We may have all the aspirations in the world that we want this church to grow to be a large congregation of people who love Jesus. But here's the thing. Large congregation or small congregation, if we negate the idea of holding people accountable for sin and just allowing things to run amok and we're not concerned about holiness and purity within the body then everything that we're growing is superficial because it's based off of an acceptance that sin is okay does that make sense can't do that it doesn't equal to that same thing so when you talk about the idea of yes god has made an unconditional promise to israel no matter what goes on they're still going to inherit the land yes but that does not exempt the idea of a discipline that God will bring in for willful sin. It doesn't negate it whatsoever. So these are opposite parallels. Look at B, B1. It says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Now watch these subcategories. A, that he, sorry, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, he humbled you, and he let you be hungry, and fed you with manna, which you did not know. The whole episode about manna was a test. Will you trust the Lord? And God has no problem humbling us by testing us. That's the whole idea. What does it mean to be humble? What does it mean? When we, I mean, humility 
And the idea of being humble is all throughout the Bible. What was it? To bow before God? Okay. That might be the posture that we take. What's that? To not think too highly of ourselves. You get everything from God. What was that? And our abilities. We don't think highly of ourselves or our abilities. We are, it's, it's coming back to a brass tacks knowledge of everything that I have comes from the Lord. Therefore, my direction needs to always look to Him and not to me. I think one of the... Where's the soapbox around here? One of the worst things I think that has ever been promoted, some of you are not going to like this, it's fine, is school pride. I can't stand it. I cannot stand, well, we just need to have some school pride. Anybody else feel that way? Because what's it about? Your abilities, your knowledge, your will, your perseverance, all the time that you put in, you, 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 how many books you read. It's all about you. Does everybody see how that's not humble? You could have humble pride. There was a band called Humble Pie. The Lord gave me that. Exactly. In fact, I would say that out of all the athletes I've seen, I think Tim Tebow's done the best job of that. Probably. You know? Fantastic. But but a lot of times we allow for, well, it's a community thing. Well, it's we're all about this. Well, these are our rights that we're parading. Uh, I, I'm so blown away. I, I don't know. How many... Laverne, do you have a Twitter account? Okay, I'm trying to follow you on Twitter. I'm just making sure. Um but I have a Twitter account. That's the only social media I participate in. And the reason is, is because it's brief. And I can usually find out all the dumb things that this world is concerned about in one click. You really can. And they actually have something going on that is a speaking out against Christian schools. And it's all these people who have been jaded by a Christian school education. And so they've been told such things as, well, the descendants of Ham are black people and therefore they're condemned off the face of the earth. And you know, to Bob Jones, they didn't even allow interracial marriages until the year 2000. And it's a lot of things that sound like some really crazy, legitimate, dumb things that Christians have done that have jaded all of these people for them to hate Christian schools. But all of a sudden, everybody is upset because Mike Pence's wife works at a Christian school and they don't allow homosexual teachers or homosexual students. Why is that surprising to anybody? But notice it's something that has to be inflated and it's so hateful and it's so awful. Notice that that is a foundational stance upon the Word. It's really not about the school. It's about the Word of God and what God has to say about that choice and that behavior. Now everybody wants to move the target to the school, to the person. Everybody see that? It's an act of subterfuge is is what it is in order to not have to deal with the Word of God. So this whole idea of of glossing over sin, smoothing those things over, uh, that that they're just not that important. We need to be more inclusive of everybody and that kind of thing. Man, reality is not set up that way. This whole idea of making that possible is by a personal puffing up of sin and pride saying that I set a standard on what's right and what's wrong. And we do not. Our greatest problem in our country is humility. We need to humble ourselves under the hand of God. Forget the flag. Forget the Statue of Liberty. Forget the White House. Forget all that stuff. We need to humble ourselves under God. That's the problem. I don't care. You you have to be willing to pay the price for that. 
And honestly, that's what that's what should be what separates Christians from Republicans and Democrats, honestly. I'm not a big fan of this two-party system. It's a game. I hope you guys are wise to that. It's all a game. Nothing's getting done. Nothing's getting done. President can sign executive orders. How come we're still aborting children? Sign the order. Stop killing kids. It's that easy. You see what I'm saying? It's incredible. 4,400 kids a day. Uh, And evangelicals got behind him. No. We're to pray for him. But I, I encourage you, be careful before you condone him. It's scary stuff. I know some of you don't like that, and that's okay. I'm just a young, opinionated, I don't know what's going on. Cool. I'm inexperienced. That's fine. But I will tell you, we have a clear view to a Savior who reigns over all things. That is our view. That We're not to get mixed up in all other kinds of crazy stuff. Live in the world. Don't be of the world. Crazy stuff. Aren't we supposed to vote our conscience? Yes. Yes. But he is not a man who's chased after holiness and righteousness, and neither was the other person. None of them do. Neither do we sometimes. But that's where the correction needs to be made. Humbling ourselves to uphold God's view. God's stance of things. Satan runs the whole thing, man. And that's why, you gotta, that's why you've got to be careful. Be careful. Be careful. We could find ourselves playing right along with what the devil wants to do to further corrupt this world. It's a dangerous place to be. So, this whole idea of excusing sin, sin's okay, let it gloss over. It's not. Sin is not okay. Sin cost our Savior his life. Sin separated us from God and the original relationship that he wanted to have with us. Sin is what destroys everything that's going on. And we cannot ever sit here and say, you know what, I know you're sinning in that way, but it's cool. It's never cool. It never is. Doesn't mean we need to be jerks about it, but I don't think that we need to crumble and shrink about it either. If we do, then we've shown that our Bible is not any good and our God has no integrity. That's scary stuff. So we need to be, and this is not anything that he's not calling Israel as a nation to do. Humble themselves. And I think what's interesting about this is look at verse 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry. God will let you go without to bring you low. God has no problem doing that. This is where the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel has no room for this type of verse. Because it's not about you getting more and you being more and you having more and burning all your debts on the altar if you just charge $100 million to your credit card in order to pad their wallet. No. Anybody ever signed up for one of these people's newsletters? Do it sometimes. They send you the wackiest stuff in the mail. When I get that letter in the mail, I tell my wife, I'm like, oh, got something from Peter Popoff Ministries today sending me a little plastic bag of water that he has blessed, a purple handkerchief, you know, a secret letter that's inside the letter with a little gold medallion that came out of a dime machine over at Walmart or something. Now, pray this prayer seven times before you open this, and you have to open it exactly at 6.59 p.m. or your blessing of prosperity won't come true. I was like, I'm opening it now. What's in here? You know, red strings that he's sending me. It's weird. I thought about keeping a trophy case, but that's just a waste of space. So it's messed up, man. It really is. Notice the B section here in, in, in B1, the, the sub-B section. Notice it's kind of bubbled out. Nor did your fathers know. Now let's skip down to B apostrophe 1. Notice the idea here. <clears throat> and I didn't have time to put the A and B in here. I put all this together this morning for you guys, okay? Because I was so jazzed about it, but I was too tired to write it down. Uh, but notice here, 
the idea of be one. Uh, in the wilderness, he fed you manna. Notice that. There's the feeding of the manna. which your fathers did not know. There's our B category there. But notice it says here that he might humble you and that he might test you to do, the, to do good for you in the end. Does everybody see those parallels? It's the exact same thing that went on. Now look at the two part of B, B2, up at the top, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now look at B apostrophe 2. Otherwise, you might say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. There's your pride. I have what I have because I worked hard to get it. Is there anything wrong with working hard? No. Can the Lord keep you from receiving something from your hard work? Yes, he can. Everybody see where the humility comes from. A good good mantra to have. But by the grace of God, therefore go I. That's it. It's only by his grace that we accomplish anything in this life. And this idea that we could conjure up something, come up with something apart from his provision in it is a dream it's not possible he allows it it's all from his hand that we have anything that we have are your children healthy guess what it's only by the lord's hand according to the depravity and the downward the downward spiral that this world is running we should all be desperately sick and dead all the time it's only by his grace that any of us are made well What an incredible design of the human body to put white blood cells in there. What in the world, right? That's just crazy cool stuff. So moving on here. Let's see the parallels in that. Look at C. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Can you imagine walking 40 years and your foot not swelling? Some of you can't walk to the refrigerator without your foot swelling, right? I mean, think about it. I am meddling. (laughs) I'm all up in your business today, Laverne. Don't worry, I'll get there. But think about it. 40 years. No problems. They wore the same clothes for 40 years. It's actually recorded as well, their sandals never wore out. Nobody ever stopped to make new sandals. 40 years. It doesn't take long walking around in sand for a couple years in your flip-flops. You want to get new flip-flops. Flip-flops are way more comfortable than what they have going on think about it unbelievable so notice the lord provides for them divinely in that way verse 5 of the c section uh thus you are to know in your heart that the lord your god was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son why because of the rebellion now look at the c apostrophe part who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery he led you through the great and terrible wilderness everybody see up in the c section verse 4 i underlined and bold-faced 40 years the reason is is because the 40 years there is paralleled with the idea down here in c apostrophe of the great and terrible that's the idea the 40 years in the wilderness are what are the parallels here does everybody understand it doesn't have to be the exact wording it's the concept does everybody get that Okay, good. So notice after that, down in C apostrophe, it says, with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground, where there was no water, he brought water for you out of the rock of flint. He was still taking care of you, even though he was disciplining you, is the idea. Notice that it almost switches there. The disciplining is in the C part up at the top, and the C apostrophe. 
catastrophe part down at the bottom is the provision even though all the dangers were in the midst. In other words, even though you sinned, and even though you were suffering the consequences of your sin when the Lord judged you for this existence, He still took care of you in the midst of your paddling. He was able to paddle you and love you at the same time. Now that's neat. How about D section? Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. Look at D apostrophe. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. Notice the difference is, is the option is to keep the commandments of the Lord and to walk in His ways and to fear Him or to allow for what? To become proud. Your heart. In fact, here's an interesting exercise I'm going to ask you to do between now and next time. We still got nine minutes here, but I want you to read through this section again. Mark every time that the heart comes up. Because that's the real issue here. What is the status of the heart of Israel? The collective heart of Israel. Is it tender? Is it soft to the things of the Lord? Or is it hardened to reject his counsel? That's the idea. Have you ever met a Christian? who no matter what scripture you gave them, they weren't going to do what the Lord said. Anybody? No? Okay, some of you have. I was talking with a Christian a few weeks ago. And I said, what you're doing is wrong. And they said, (laughs) is what they said. I'm just kidding. It wasn't like that. But I said, right here it says this. And I read a passage of scripture. And they said, well, the stuff I've been reading says that what I'm doing is right. And they get their answers from the Bible. I said, okay. (laughs) Can you strike that off the audio? I'll sue. Okay, 1 John 1, 9. So, moving on. (laughs) But, But no. Does that argument even matter? I was reading somebody who got their answers from the Bible. Was the Bible so confusing that we couldn't see exactly what it said? If it's a situation where it's like, don't lie. Don't be bearing false witness. No longer be lying. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And you're having a conversation with someone saying, you know what? This is corrupting everything around you. And it's diminishing your fellowship with the Lord. This is not good. Because the Apostle Paul wrote in this passage these words. Well, I've got a book that tells me that's not what that means. Let no unwholesome or corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Is that pretty plain? Do you really need somebody to tell you what that means? No, but understand, that's exactly what happens when conviction sets in. There are two responses to conviction. It is either obedience or to run. And here's the reason why. is because the Word of God provokes two types of responses. It either softens a heart or it hardens a heart. But the central point, when it boils all down to it, is what is the status of the heart before the Lord at that moment? That's what it boils down to. Let me, let me give you an example of this real quick. Just to put this on the side, because there's no way we're going to get through it today. Turn over to Hebrews 3. You're probably, you're, you'll read this verse, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know that verse. But I want you to pay attention why it's important. Hebrews chapter 3. And Hebrews is all about what is it to be in fellowship with the Lord? What is it to have ongoing fellowship with Him? Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 13. This is interesting. 
but encourage one another day after day. Everybody know this verse? Encourage one another. Stop for a second. Everybody look up. Now look around. That's the one another. Right? Everybody that's around you. Encourage one another day after day. Not just Sunday. Day after day. Look what it says. As long as it is still called today. If it ends in Y, it's applicable. Okay? And look what it says. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of what? Now what part would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? The heart. Everybody see that? Simply encouraging a brother or sister in Christ seven days a week keeps a heart tender and keeps a person sensitive to sin. Now that that's not my interpretation of it. That seems to be clearly what's written here. Would you agree? So what does that say that a great responsibility we would have as the church? I need to be encouraging somebody. A lot of times our prayer lists that we have, people we're praying for, those are our encouragement lists. These are people that I need to encourage. Some of the greatest blessings are just reaching out and asking somebody, how are you doing? Asking, how can I pray for you? Asking, what is going on? Why is that? Because a lot of times when people are in these types of situations, they don't think anybody cares. And the people that should care most of all, the church, should make these strides. Notice by doing so, we keep the heart of these people fallow ground for the Lord to work and cultivate and see growth. They don't become hardened. Man, that's an endeavor worth worth taking up for our entire life to encourage the body every day, as long as it's called today. So that would be an idea of what we're getting at about the importance of the centrality of the heart in relation to responding to God on one side, but being hardened because of ongoing sin in the other. That's the reason why we do 1 John 1, 9. It's not just a religious everybody stand up, sit down, kneel down, wipe your brow kind of exercise. That's not what it's about. It's about making sure that the heart is right to receive the word. So, going back to Deuteronomy 8. If you want to go there, just pull out your sheet here. Now notice that E and E apostrophe are dealing with the contents of the land. And notice that in E, verse 7, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. How good is it, Moses? Well, a land of brooks and waters and fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity. No one will go hungry. Now, is this not a good contrast from the manna lesson? Yes? Before, we were wanderers and curious about where we were going to get our next meal. In this next stage of our life, we're going to be settled and always abounding. Interesting. Notice it says here, in which you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. It's rich, it's strong, it's solid. Notice an E apostrophe. 
and having built good houses and lived in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, multiply, 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 abundance over and over and over. God is blessing in extreme proportions is the idea. Now move into F. Look at F. When you have eaten and are satisfied. Everybody see F apostrophe? Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied. Everybody see how those parallel? They're pretty pretty clear idea. But now here's the main point that Moses wanted them to get. You're going to come into a situation where you're going to eat and be satisfied. And in that time, notice the first one, G, you need to bless the Lord. You need to thank Him. Humbling yourself is recognizing that you have what you have and everything is being multiplied for you. You didn't have to build these houses from scratch. You didn't have to plant these vineyards. Anybody mess with vines before? Not Not the vines thing we have in hermeneutics. I'm talking about actual vines. Anybody try to dig vines out of your yard before? Good grief. You want to strangle a cat with them. You got so many in there. Amen. <laughs> I love it. But have you ever noticed you'll get them, you'll clip them, you're pulling them all out, and you're looking here and you're like, good grief, your entire yard is filled with nine feet of vines going on behind you, and you still got more going around the house. And you follow them around the house and over the fence and through the rock garden. And all of a sudden, somehow they got underneath where your air conditioning unit is sitting outside or your, your vent unit out there. Next thing you know, it's going up underneath where your siding is. It's everywhere. You think that's easy to plant and let it grow for a while? Anybody tell I've tried to remove a vine before? (laughs) A lot of frustration. Nobody was encouraging me on that day, that's for sure. I am hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But stuff like that's not easy. Stuff like that takes time. And for them to just walk in and it's all, God's just saying, here, here it is, it's all yours. That's huge. What would the response of being given everything that you need be? Thank you, Lord. I don't deserve this. Thank you, God. I don't know if there's any amount of time I could think of to where if I did this on my own, how long it would have taken to get to this point. But yet in your perfect plan, you've brought it all together and you give it all to me. And it's exceedingly abundantly beyond all I could have asked or thought. It's incredible. Doing so much more for us than what we could ever possibly do for ourselves. It's the same with these people here. But notice the other response. The negative response. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. You forget Him by your heart becoming proud. You forget Him because when you're eating and you're satisfied, He no longer becomes who you think. He's no longer the one that you're looking to for what you have. This is an awesome lesson my wife is trying to teach Nathaniel. Because she's like, let's pray before we eat. Not want to. Right? You're going to pray. No, we don't do that. But we tell him. My wife is very great about it. She's like, Nathaniel, we have to thank Jesus because he's the only reason that we have anything. He's the only reason why we have food on this table right now. We have to thank Jesus. So now he's starting to hold our hands and pray with us more. You know? kind of weird when you open it up and he's going you know but still he's doing it i love it he's starting to get it he grasps it and that's got to happen in all of us we've all got to understand what we have is a because here's the thing it is easy to forget the lord if you don't believe it's easy to forget the lord wait till the next crisis happens in your life 
What is the first step you take after you hear the news? What do you do? Pray? Hopefully. There's a lot of people who pick up the phone. There's a lot of people that can't wait to, to post on their Facebook status. There's a lot of people that, oh my gosh, I got this bill in the mail. How in the world am I going to do this? Well, cool. I'll just pull out the plastic. We'll just charge it up. It'll get taken care of quickly. Is that what God wants us to do? You see what I'm saying, though? There's a lot of immediate responses we have when the heart is enacted upon and all of a sudden emotions start pouring out of everything. So the whole idea is to call a spiritual timeout and to get ourselves grounded in the idea of, yeah, this, this situation, this calamity that's going on is awful. Who is God in the midst of it? That's what Moses is trying to bring them to. You have two responses that stem from your heart. Will you thank God for what you have when you eat and are satisfied? Or will you forget God and come to the delusion that you believe that somehow you, through your strength, through your planning, through your carefulness, through everything that you tried to conjure of your own, you are the one who brought about the reason why you have what you have. Scary place to be. So when we talk about the chiasm, how it works itself in, it works itself into this main point. Do we thank God or do we forget God? That's the idea. Any questions about this? Because we need to wrap it up. I encourage you to take this home throughout the week. Notice where it says heart. Pay attention to the heart throughout this matter. And mark some of the parallels. Get you some colored pencils or some crayons or markers or something. Different highlighters. Go through and notice the, con the, the contrast between the positive section and the latter part being the negative section. Let's pray. Father, I pray that our hearts would be thankful at all times for all the goodness that you've given to us over and over and over again. You are a merciful and beautiful God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.